If you or a loved one has had thoughts of self-harm, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 or visiting suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Gotta get away from this hooligan and his almost human horde of robotic monstrosities. Man, these costumes are hotter than hell, and if the front of yours was cut any lower, your love gun would be hanging out. Uh, if this deranged Devereaux dude plans to shock me one more time, this flaming youth has got nothing to lose, and I'm gonna kick him in the nards with my platform boot. I had all this planned out. It was gonna be an evening of great expectations, full of kissing time with all the ladies waiting in that sweet-ass costumes would attract. They'd be calling me Dr. Love by the time this evening rolled around. Dude, we're gonna rock it. We were gonna rock and roll all night, but this grudge-bearing gearhead has put the brakes on that rock and roll party. Woohoo! Looks like the real kiss has come to kick some ass. See you in your dreams, sucker! Look who's about to break the sound barrier. Who can resist them? A once-in-a-lifetime happening, a monster of a show. I don't believe it! For everyone who's tired of spending a quiet evening at home, stay tuned as Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. All right, welcome back, all you Midnight Mass Kiss casters. What? I was like, wait a minute, did he forget the line? <laughs> <laughs> no, all you creature casters out there. This is Mark, and I'm joined by my ever awesome co-host. I'm Rob. And we are going to be covering 1978's made-for-TV movie, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. It has what they're calling a PG rating, but it would have been on TV, so do with that what you will. Yeah, It has a runtime of one hour and 36 minutes. Um it aired here in the States in 78, but it was released theatrically um, from Avco Embassy Pictures in 1979 in Europe under the title of Kiss and Attack of the Phantoms. And then in Italy, it was just Kiss Phantoms. So for any of our uh, overseas fans, that may be how you know this film. Now, this one was my pick and Rob was gen generous enough to go along with it. So I appreciate that very, very much. Yeah. And. I, the first time I saw this movie, I remember uh, probably about 14 or 15. And my friend was deeply into Kiss. Like he had the figures, um, Kiss posters and everything. And then we were watching this. And I barely remember this film. <laughs> so it's just like, it, it wasn't because I wasn't a Kiss fan. So it wasn't one of those things that really struck me. Gotcha. Now, see, I honestly didn't know that you had seen this before this last time you watched it i thought you had never seen it before watching it for this show oh for the podcast yeah. i had seen it but like i said I, I can't remember anything that happened in it because it was so long ago gotcha gotcha now little fat mark saw this when it first aired and i was excited as heck to see the thing i would have been 12 because i yeah 12 12 years old um and like it wasn't so much the music of Kiss, but it was Kiss 
themselves that like I was enamored with. Like I, I drew kiss all the time. Um, like the comic books, um, just their look. Like mm-hmm. I loved kiss. I remember my aunt had kiss albums and I would just like stare at the covers. I would like just <laughs> memorize what they looked like so I could draw them. I, I like, yeah, just, I was infatuated with the look of kiss. I just, everything they embodied to me because they do kind of have that, like, almost like horror esque aspect to them. I think uh, for the most part, for me, it was like Gene Simmons had that look. Uh, oh, very much es- so. Yeah. Especially, you know, the spitting blood and, and the long tongue and everything. Um, but I was much more into King Diamond because the music actually matched the look. Mm, gotcha. 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 Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it worked for him. It was a gimmick that totally, totally got these guys noticed for sure. For sure. Um, so anyway, before I go on and on about Kiss, um, I was going to talk about the background of everyone involved. If that's okay with you. Totally. So it's a Hanna-Barbera production, which, so Hanna-Barbera is the one who brought us like Yogi Bear and Scooby-Doo and Captain Caveman and probably any cartoon that you loved as a child of a certain, if you're of a certain age, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> which that right there kind of seems like an odd pairing with Kiss. Sort of, but maybe not really. Um, <clears throat> so they produced it. It was directed by uh, filmmaker Gordon Hessler. This man made so many movies that I loved as a child. Uh, he did Scream and Scream Again. And he also did the Vincent Price film Cry of the Banshee, which terrorized me as a child. It's one of the first like horror films I remember watching uh, as a kid. It just scared me to death. Uh, he also brought his Scream Pretty Peggy from 73 and also from 73, The Golden Voyage of Sinbad for all you Harry Harryhausen fans out there. And then another one I want to mention in 77, he did the TV movie starring Karen Black, The Strange Possession of Mrs. Oliver. So those are all films that this director did, which, again, I think it's a weird pairing with Kiss, but <laughs> do with it what you will. So Kiss real quick is uh, consists of and I'm going to do this alphabetically because that's how they did it in the in the movie, to be fair, I guess, you know, with everybody. So there's no hurt feelings. Uh, we have Peter Chris, who's the drummer um, or Catman, as he's known in the film. Now, as far as acting, all four members appeared in um, director Adam Rifkin's Detroit Rock City from 99, which starred Eddie Furlong or Edward Furlong from uh, Pet Cemetery 2 fame or Terminator 2 fame. Um, but all four of them also did one episode of millennium from 98. Do you remember millennium? Yeah. Yeah. I used to love that show. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of fun that all four of them like came back to do an episode of millennium. Now, Peter actually did two episodes of Oz, which is my, one of my favorite gay porns ever. Um, (laughs) isn't that the jail, the prison show? <laughs> yes. <Okay. laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I was a big fan of Oz. <clears throat> um, it's not gay porn. I don't want to put that out in the universe that Peter Chris did gay porn. <laughs> no, it just had, it, it had a lot of male nudity and, and Christopher Maloney was fine to do that too, which thank you, Christopher Maloney. Um, <clears throat> so next up alphabetically, we'd have Ace Fraley, uh, who's lead guitar of the band and he was space ace in the film. Um, I've already mentioned Millennium, so that was the only acting credit he had aside from this. Then we get to Gene Simmons, uh, bass guitarist, uh, the demon in the film. He actually has like the biggest like acting career out of all the members of Kiss. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, because um, he was in the uh, Trick or Treat, which we covered. Yep, he did a, a Nuke in, in that one from 86. Before that, two years before, he was in Runaway with Tom Selleck, um, which is a really fun movie. I, I highly recommend people check that out. Uh, he also, in 86, uh, same year as Trick or Treat, he did One at Dead or Alive with Rutger Hauer. Um, and then he did a film with Jason Bateman called Extract from 2009. Uh, it's not a horror film, but it's kind of fun for what it is. I do like Jason Bateman. Um, and then just real quick, talking about like Hanna-Barbera, uh, they actually all four. Uh, no, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's a lie. Um, he and Paul Stanley, who I'll talk about in a second actually uh lent their voices to an episode of scooby-doo it's called kiss scooby-doo and kiss rock and roll mystery from 2015 which is really fun i love that one because i love scooby-doo and i love kiss it's like everything rolled up in one for me and speaking of Um, scooby-doo this movie reminded me of a live action scooby-doo mystery 
Oh, very much so. Yeah, you could totally. To me, it has like Hanna-Barbera all over it. It does. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Good point, Rob. Um, and then last but not least, as far as Kiss goes, is Paul Stanley, the rhythm guitarist. He's Star Child. Um, and the only really acting credit he has uh, of things I know is Millennium, like I already mentioned. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> the bad guy, the disgruntled uh, robot creator, is Abner Devereaux. And he's played by Anthony Zerby. He was in The Omega Man from 71. <clears throat> he was in The Parallax View, which is a very good film starring Warren Beatty from 74. And he was also in The Dead Zone, uh, the Christopher Walken film that was made by director David Cronenberg based on the Stephen King book. Um, now, I don't is, know if you're seeing Is that, that the one. one with C. Thomas Howell or is that the TV series I'm thinking of? I think that might be the TV series. This is the actual movie. I remember I went to go see this movie with my friend, the same one that I drugged to go see an American werewolf with. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think I saw the movie, but I have seen the TV series. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, the movie's good. The movie's very good. It's, it's Wait, <laughs> Christopher it... Walken is like creepy and everything. <laughs> Christopher Walken is awesome. I love that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not saying, but he's always just creepy to me, no matter what he is. I like, think I got creepy. the the cast <clears throat> mixed up, though. It's either C. Thomas Howell or um, whoever I just said. <laughs> Christopher Walken? No, not Christopher Walken. Oh. Um, Anthony Michael Hall or C. Thomas Howell. One of, like, oh, I, is it Anthony Michael Hall? Um, let me look for Dead Zone, the series, because this is yeah, going to bother fine. me. I'll, I'll keep talking while I do that. But Anthony Michael Hall, like, really beefed it up. Um, he was in the Halloween movie. He played, uh, uh, oh, is it Tommy? Tommy. Shoot. I, if we weren't doing this, I could think of it because there's Lindsay. And the one that Jamie Lee babysat. Oh, yeah, it is, it is Anthony Michael Hall. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like Anthony Michael Hall um, from Breakfast Club. Anyway, okay, so the park owner is is uh, Calvin Richards, and he's played by Carmine Caridi, C-A-R-I-D-I. Um, the one that I'd recommend from him is uh, Finding uh, John Hughes, Some Kind of Wonderful, starring Leah Thompson, Friend of the Pod from 87. And doesn't uh, Carmine Caridi remind you of Mr. Magoo a little bit? Mr. Magoo? Yeah. The cartoon? Yeah, the cartoon. He he just reminds me of a live action version of him. Really? Yeah. Like, I think it's the okay. way he talks or the way he closes his eyes when he talks. I don't know. Interesting. Just, I'd have to go back and watch it again, which is fine by me because I love this film. I have no problem going back and rewatching it. <laughs> so, uh -huh. okay. Now that you said that, I had to go back and check it out. Now, um, <clears throat> We are introduced to just a couple of like little kind of uh, side characters throughout this. First of all, it's Sam, uh, played by Terry Lester. Sam works for uh, Devereaux as an assistant. Um, the only film of note that this actor has been in that I know of is Airport 1975, which was made in 1974. Now, if we were going to do a recasting couch, I would make him Sam Jones, star of Flash Gordon. Rob. Oh, I'm here. I just thought you were oh. going to continue on. Like oh, no, that. I'm sorry. And then he has a girlfriend or fiance, actually, they're engaged. And her name is Melissa. And that's, I believe it's Deborah Ryan. It's D-E-B-O-R-A-H, Ryan. The film of note from her, I would say, Seek Out Initiation of Sarah. It's a made-for-TV horror film from 78, which is wonderful. If I were going to recast her, I'd make her Bo Derek. Oh, I can see that. From Tars and the Ape Man. Yeah. Now, okay, just real quick, humor me. So if we had Sam Jones and Bo Derek in this movie, I would bump it up to a rated R and definitely give them like a love scene. <laughs> now, um, okay, so did you see the movie Ted and Ted 2? Oh, uh, with the bear, with yeah. the Wahlberg? Yep. Yes. Now, is that is that Sam Jones when they when they were like, hey, it's Flash Gordon. They were doing exactly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I just supposedly had to ask that. I wanted to make sure. Yes, 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 yes. Um, <clears throat> and then I love the fact that we get a biker gang because to me, that's just so very 70s. <laughs> I didn't think they were bikers, though, because they didn't have any bikes. Well, like, yeah, you can't ride your bike through the park. Okay, I just thought they were, I call them thugs and hooligans. <laughs> that, that's basically what I called them. Um, so the leader is Chopper. Now that, oh, I want to point this out too. So all three thespians 
go by three names, which I find amazing. I don't know if that was like just luck that they hired them or they had one. They're like, we're going to stick with this theme. So this thespian is John Dennis Johnston, who I will fully admit that I always had a crush on this actor. He was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977. He was in a film that I demand that we eventually cover at some point on this podcast, The Beast Within from 1982. One of my favorite Paul Verhoeven films, Flesh and Blood with Rutger Hauer in a G-string from 1985. (laughs) Again, Christopher Walken makes an appearance. He was in the Whitley Stryber film Communion, um, uh, based on the Whitley Stryber book Communion. From 1989. It's an alien film. His girlfriend is Dirty D, played by Lisa Jane Persky. The film that I would check out by her, she provided a voice for Ralph Bosky's animated American Pop from 1981. If you're into music, it's a really cool film. And then we get our third wheel, basically. Unless maybe they're like a like a like a threesome, which I'd be okay with that kind of premise. But that he is uh, slime is portrayed by John Lisbon Wood, L-I-S-B-O-N. He was an alligator from 1980 and Sam Raimi's Dark Man from 1990. Die, Dark Man, die. There you go. That's our (laughs) cast of characters. Okay, so we're moving on. So we're at an amusement park. So, of course, we have to have that prerequisite roller coaster, like your point of view on the roller coaster to put you in the the feel of things for the for the, sh- for the remainder of the the uh, goings-on of the film. Yeah. And that's where we first meet our couple, Sam and Melissa. And then we get the awesome opening where we see Kiss, and it's the Attack of the Phantoms. And then you get the overlay of all the band members, but they're gigantic. Yeah, In yeah. comparison to the park. <laughs> uh, like Gene Simmons is um, singing to the, like he's singing to the roller coaster almost, because he's Right, it. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie so much, people. You can't understand the love I have for this film. Um, yeah, he's doing they're doing rock and roll all night. And then um, and then I love that they paired up uh Peter and Ace and then Paul and Gene, and they're like in floating bumper cars. Like okay, that must have been the, the part that was too dark for me mm-hmm. to see because I didn't I couldn't see that part. Oh yeah, I just love it so much. And then uh there's two girls who've shown up in their like kiss like t-shirts that were like actually iron-ons that would melt when you put them in the dryer. So you gotta be so careful with those t-shirts. Uh, and then like the demon gene is like singing down to them and they kind of react by looking up, but you know that he's not really there, but you know, we get all that. And then the, the band members are like standing on like, like, uh, like a, a water fountain and they proceed to walk down the, the sprays of water. Like, oh, is that when like the laser beam shoots out and they're kind of walking down like the steps of the? Yeah, laser it's beam? just also amazing. It's it's just so amazing. Um, I love everything about it. And then we flat, and this is all done at night. But then we're back to daytime, and the couple's still on the coaster. Which I'm thinking, good God, did they ride that <laughs> thing for 24 hours? And how are they not vomiting? Did they get stuck up there? Right, right. <laughs> um. And I love that they're showing you like, like there's just something about like seventies amusement parks that bring back like nostalgia feels for me. You know, they're showing like the barrel rides and the Momo thing gets stuck and everything. Um, there's like a log flume ride. Uh, just, I love all of it so much. Oh, and then I love the fact that they've got like these kids have made like a human pyramid and that's all they've done is make a human pyramid, but that's consistent with the security thinking there's going to be a ride at any minute. See, I'm thinking that I'm going to have to watch this movie other than the way that I watched it because I couldn't see all of this stuff. Oh, gotcha. See, Rob had a really bad, like, uh, like, a was it like YouTube or something you it said? Was, it was a VHS rip of a copy, but it was like watching it through a curtain. And yeah, yeah it was pretty bad. Yeah. And mine, I, I have the Kissology DVD set. So it's included on that Kissology volume two. And it's included on that, which is the way to watch this, folks. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I I apologize to him, but I'll do it again. Uh, you know, the fact that he had to watch such a poor quality probably detracted from his enjoyment of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just the fact that <laughs> that they're equating people making a human pyramid with like, you know, there's going to be chaos and destruction at any minute now. I just thought it was really funny. Well, there, um, there was a lot of that um, like stereotyping going on because they're 
uh, throughout the film, they were saying, oh, these rock and rollers are dangerous and they probably don't bathe, you know, that, that kind of thing. All right, 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 right. So Sam and Melissa part ways because Sam has got to go. Sam is an employee of the park. Uh, so he's got to go check in with Devereaux, this gentleman who works for the park as far as providing a lot of animatronics and things like that. He works with him part time. And so he's got to go do some work. So he agrees to meet Melissa later at like a snack bar. Um, <clears throat> but we also meet, you know, Chopper, Dirty D and Slime because they actually kind of kick one of the people out from underneath the pyramid and all crumbles and everything. And this is their first interaction with the the, the security guards, you know, kind of telling them they need to, like, keep all this shenanigans down. Yeah. Um, now, real quick. Oh, that the, security guard. Oh, go ahead. Do you recognize him from any other thing? Because I the, think the bearded guy with the long hair or a mustache guy with the long hair. Uh, Breon James. Yeah, the mustache guy. Okay, he did like a lot of stuff, but yeah. I don't. I didn't look him up. Why? What do you know? I think I remember him from quite a few movies, but. Oh, damn it. Okay, so you're looking them up. Yeah, he was in the Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner. Oh, okay. Fifth Element. Um, but he was also. I thought it was a Schwarzenegger movie. Okay. But I don't know. I don't want to look at. But he, I've seen him in a lot of '80s films, and he always plays the bad guy in them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. 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 Um. Now, all throughout this film, <laughs> we're treated to really bad animatronics, which are really just people moving jerkily like robots. Yeah, yeah. It's people. They're peppered the throughout all this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> that really gives you the foreshadowing of like this. Uh, something's going on with these robots. Yeah, right? like something is horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. Uh, but so. The owner, Mr. Richards, is at odds with Devereaux because he's spent a lot of money to bring Kiss in to help raise the floundering profits of the amusement park, whereas Devereaux just wants to sink more and more funds into these animatronics. Um, yeah. And so he's seeing this Kiss thing as a waste of money, whereas, you know, Richards is like, this is going to help save my <laughs> park from going under. Um <clears throat> So, oh, this is what I was going to say earlier. So Chopper is wearing this, like, it's a jacket with the sleeves cut off, but it's actually a jacket from the Warriors. Oh, really? They, like, repurposed it. Yeah. It's like a Satan jacket from the Warriors, which I thought was really cool. All right. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> so this is where Devereaux has an interaction with the, the gang. Because Chopper is harassing Simon, the really bad animatronic gorilla. Yeah, they're punching the gorilla. I did see that part. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so he decides to give the trio of thugs passes to the Chamber of Thrills, hoping that they'll come there and he can get his comeuppance with them down there. Mm -hmm. So downstairs in the workshop, Sam clearly knows that there's something up because he's searching for a, pass a secret passageway which he does find and he goes inside and then we get that shoot noise and then he disappears when it opens back up. So Sam has found what he's looking for, but maybe to his downfall. Right. Wasn't there a scream in there? <clears throat> I'm sorry. What did he scream when the door shut or was it just like a weird sound? I think that was me screaming that you heard. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he may have. <laughs> I thought there was a scream, but I could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> oh, um, and I love because like if, if you didn't, um, <clears throat> if you didn't grow up at this time, <clears throat> I'm sorry, like, like there really was like a kiss fervor that had like taken over and it really wasn't made up for this TV show. Like people were like really <laughs> infected by kiss fever. Yeah. And they had like the kiss contest with all the kids where their faces were painted up and like they were judging them and everything. So, and I like that they have that in, in this, you know, film, they kind of feature that. And I thought that was kind of fun. Um, but now, so Melissa has been waiting and waiting and Sam has not shown up. And so she checks in with the security guards and uh, she finds out, you know, he works for Abner Devereaux and he is located like uh, his workshop is located underneath the sky tower. Um, and so she decides to go check in on him there. 
which she uh, does so. And he lets her down. It's like 150 feet below like the park, you know, underground. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and then we're treated to some more bad androids down there and everything. Uh, and he points out that they're so human-like because they are people, folks. They're not robots. They're just people <laughs> pretending to be robots. And he wants her to touch it, but she's like, no, thank you. I don't need to do that. Um, now, she's just had like the world's longest roller coaster ride with Sam. So she knows that he's there. Well, Devereaux's trying to say he hasn't seen him for days. And so this is already like feeling weird to Melissa. And this is where she like, you know, kind of lets it be known that they're engaged to be married and everything. And then this is where Devereaux says, well, that seems odd because Sam has like a roving eye. He doesn't seem like the kind of man that would settle down, which totally seems at odd with the man that, you know, Melissa knows because he would ride a roller coaster for like 24 hours with you. (laughs) Anyway, so this little tete-a-tete is disrupted by the buzzer because the trio of hooligans have shown up for their free pass into the Chamber of Terror which makes Devereaux just like want to shut down any communications with Melissa and he needs to get her out of there so he can like have his way with the, uh, the gang members. Yeah. He can do his uh, sinister plan, set it in Ex- motion. Exactly. Well, we see Sam set up from the slab. So we know that the doctor has been doing something to Sam that wasn't kosher. So inside the chamber of terrors, the trio is met with all sorts of like, you know, kind of famous univo- universal monster types. We get the werewolf and we get, a well-fed looking Frankenstein. Um, he's got chubby cheeks. Uh, <laughs> oh, and then we get <laughs> the barbershop quartet, right? Uh, they show up later, but this is where we get chopper, like pops the balloon of that little girl. Okay. See, that's another thing that I did. Oh, crap. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, um, so Dracula kind of like grabs chopper's hand and scares him. And the trap door opens and like tra- uh, Chopper falls down, but Slime and Dirty D don't see that happening because they kind of wander off into another room. And that's where the guillotine thing freaks her out and everything. And we get the oh, Slimer saying, yes. don't go losing your head. Yeah, don't go lose your D. head. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So the two kind of split up. Slimer goes back to the main room where we get a uh, uh, a tomb opening up to the a mummy reveal. And of course, behind the mummy's a secret passageway. So the mummy grabs slime and you know pulls him backwards. And then D comes in looking for slime, and then we get the bad werewolf, and then the mummy tomb, and the hunch there's like a hunchback being whipped, and we get an executioner, and there's a giant spider drop for a jump scare and everything. Well, eventually D backs up into an iron maiden, which closes on her, and then she goes down this little, you know, trap portal way to uh down below into Devereaux's uh waiting. Midst. And don't don't you love the swoop sound effects that when they yes when yeah the sound effects those? are great. <laughs> so they're very much like Scooby Doo cartoon sound effects because it's a Hanna Barbera production. So yeah, yeah. everything is very cartoony. I, I love it so much. <clears throat> so <laughs> so Devereaux is meeting with Richards, the owner of the place, and he's bragging about his Americans on Parade display being you know, uh, the highlight of everything, but he's all miffed because that's been, you know, put on the back burner to set up the stage for kiss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's very much a holdover of the bicentennial from 76, which is a great big deal in America at the time. And this is only two years after that. So of course all that would still be on people's minds, the whole, you know, (laughs) American thing. Um, so this is also where, uh, Richards makes note that Devereaux has changed and he doesn't kind of seem the same. Um, and that, you know, 20 years of pressure uh, kind of has taken its toll on Devereaux and then Devereaux kind of counters back that, you know, it's been 20 years of making, you know, Richards a millionaire. And he doesn't kind of seem to like, you know, want to, there's no give and take. He's just wants to like kind of shut things down with Devereaux and his, you know, plans to have all these grandiose creations. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Richards is planning on letting him go, and he fires Devereaux. And this kind of sets Devereaux off, and he actually threatens him, and he says he's going to regret this day. Um, Now, Kiss had also released solo albums themselves. 
And throughout the film, there's a lot of music that's kind of shoehorned in between the action that came from their uh, solo albums. Some of it I feel is a little sappy, especially for Kiss. Um, but this is where you get some of that sappy music kind of in there as Devereaux kind of like just walks away underneath the scaffolding of the roller coaster. Um, <clears throat> so it's sunset. We've got our crowds gathering around everything. And <clears throat> Um, we see Peter, Ace, and Gene have arrived and everything. But back in the workshop, Devereaux vows that he will destroy all of them. And uh, he's going to use his animatronics to do so, or animatrons to do so. Outside, we get fireworks, which lead to lightning and the outrageous entry of the band. <laughs> <laughs> they, like, drop from the sky, which I yeah. love, but it's so outrageous. And we get Gene with that kick-ass cape. I love the cape. Um, the crowd goes wild. Um, now, apparently, if you freeze the the frames during some of the, the crowd scenes, they're actually people flipping the bird, which made it past the sensors because there's just so many of them. But if you like freeze it, you can see that in the stills. Anyway, the crowd goes wild as they start playing a shout it out loud. Um, and then if you watch closely enough, Paul's wearing like a leather choker, but he actually loses it in one scene. It kind of comes unhooked and falls off his neck, but it magically comes back in place. Um, I <laughs> See, think it's that, the power of the talisman. This is why I have to watch it in like 4K HD or something, because what I everything I saw, it, it was just a big blur. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you folks, the Kissology thing, that's the way to see this thing, because you get it like on a pretty crisp looking DVD. Um Downstairs in the workplace. In the meantime, though, we've got Sam hard at work on Betsy Ross animatron and the Devereaux working on the George Washington animatron. So it's also cheesy, folks. Um, and then we see that he's also turned the uh, gang of hooligans into colonists. So it's like a turnaround <laughs> now. Now they're good guys. Yeah. Um, and he so um, he. They've all got those like microchips in their neck or something. Like yes. That. Yeah. Those little microchips in their neck, as does Sam. Yep. Yes. So back at the concert, there's a light show going on and we get our crowd shots and guitar solos. Um, and then uh, at the workshop on the TV screen, because he's got these little TV monitors down there for Devereaux to watch everything. Um, he bids them a good night as Kiss departs the stage. Um, and he tells uh, Sam that he needs to get there and starts taking pics of their faces from every angle because he's come up with a scheme that he's going to make animatrons of the KISS members to help him with his nefarious plot to get back at the uh, park owner and the band as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> he's taken over. Taken over. So while <clears throat> Sam, you know, air quote Sam, because he's been taken over by Devereaux, is there taking pictures, Melissa spies him. Um, and she goes up to, you know, interact with her boyfriend, her fiance, her lover, roller coaster lover. Um, and the police try to stop her, but Gene uh, and Paul intercede because they have the, the, all these powers provided by the talisman. Um, and then, you yeah, know, didn't it's he like that, say, Star Child, and then like uh, Paul yes. Stanley uh, shoots a laser out of his eye. <laughs> yeah, it's great, folks. I love this so much. It's I just can't tell you how much I love this. So, um, yeah. So, you know, they're like they can tell that there's something wrong, and this girl's not making this up, and she really needs their help, and all this. It, it's great, and we get another kind of what I would deem a sappier song in the Kiss catalog of things. Um, so the girl, Melissa, looks very pensive as the police kind of kick her out. And um, she vows that she'll be back tomorrow. And as she leaves, she notices Sam's Volkswagen is still there. Um, so she knows he's not left. And she knows that he was there. So everything Devereaux has been saying isn't jiving in her mind. Um, so she heads back and she decides to question Devereaux some more. And this is where he gives her a security pass, which is just a giant green button that she puts on her shirt. Um, and she is very sweet. She tells him she appreciates everything. And then we see that they've made like a makeshift, makeshift, uh, dark room. And that, uh, Devereaux is very pleased with the shots that, uh, Sam has taken of the band, oh, which I'm yeah, thinking and he's like sectioning out the faces and everything. And uh, yeah, which I'm thinking back in 78, Sam could have made bank off just selling these pictures and he and Melissa could have had a really nice, nice down payment on a starter home. 
<laughs> um, yeah, true. But they didn't do that. So we get a couple of scenes of the band poolside, which, okay, their, their costumes, their getups already look hot to me. Not like sexy hot, but like you would sweat to death in them. Yeah, the like hooded robes that were really like uh, sweat pants, hooded robes or whatever. Well, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. So on top of their normal getups, they're wearing these like kind of like they looked itchy and shimmery at the same time, but they're the hooded robes, like yeah. Rob was saying. Yeah. So they're sitting around the pool on these great, great. They look like lifeguard tower uh, seats. Yeah, it does. It looks uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get Beth playing. And that's, of course, Peter Chris's like big hit solo, not solo hit, but like, he really wasn't featured singing often in the band. And so it was his song that, you know, they kept playing a lot. Um, and so <laughs> I put down that this would do two things. <laughs> it would make the girlfriend feel even more shitty about what was going on. And it would waste more of her precious time. <laughs> <laughs> because she's not investigating anymore. She's just sitting there listening to Peter Chris sing his song. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. This is uh, very while true. They're, while they're there poolside listening to, you know, Peter sing this song, um, Sam actually breaks into their place where they're staying and he's tearing the place apart. Um, now, just an aside, now, Rob, you may not have seen this because of your copy, you know, wasn't pristine. But so the place where they're staying is so gaudy. There's like giant, like silver hand statues and like palm trees that are like stuffed and they're all white. But okay. the most disturbing thing is this like kind of like sofa, like lounge seat that looks like just gray large intestines. I was going to bring that up because, OK, I thought it was a giant snake cushion. Um, that I did see like the hands and the other stuff I couldn't see, but when he was pulling that thing apart, it was like he was pulling a giant snake. Well, Walt said it was great turds. <laughs> it, it was just looked bizarre. I don't know what you would, it was so strange, but anyway, so he like, is like wrecking the place all over. He like goes through and tears up a shipper robe and everything. Well, he's on the hunt. What he's looking for is a red box that contains four talisman and each one coincides with one member of the band. So there's like one that looks like a cat and that goes with, you know, Peter, you know, the cat man. And then one looks like a star that would go with star child, you know, Paul. And then you get like a serpentine looking thing that would be a demon. And then you get a, um, what is, what I, I've drawn a blank. What is Ace space Frehley is a, uh, like a spaceman or something, but was it a spaceman? I thought it was like a planet. It, whatever. It, yeah, it coincides and, with him. Yeah, wouldn't him and Paul Stanley, like Star Child and, and the Spaceman, be like along the same lines? Yeah, I'm wondering. Yeah. Shoot. Of course, there's no picture that I can find that shows me. <laughs> anyway, whatever. Yes. But yeah, so it all coincides and it, it basically provides these normal, everyday, average people with their own set of superpowers, which is insanely cool to me. Um, so in the interim, because this song would depress the hell out of this woman who's missing her man, she has walked away from the rest of the band and she sees Sam leaving um, the residence where the band has been staying. And she kind of confronts him, but he's like dead to her, basically, because he's a robot now. Yeah. And she kisses him and she notices that he feels cold or it's not him or something like that. And she freaks it's, out. It's not her man. It's yeah. not her Sam. Um so she screams, which causes the other members to come and join her, which I would imagine would take them forever to get there because they had to climb off those big seats in those boots. <laughs> so I'm thinking at least 24 hours has transpired between her scream and them getting to her. Yeah. Um, because but inside, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Did you see like Gene Simmons? He was trying to walk in those platform boots and he was all bow legged and everything because it must be really hard to walk in those things. It's got to be so hard. Actually, on the same kissology thing, they were doing an interview with Tom Snyder and Ace Freely was saying he would often fall on, on his shoes, fall and land on the ground. Ooh. And the other two would come over and make it like it was part of the act until he could get back up on his feet again because he was always tripping over them. Wow. Yeah, I can see that happening because those things look like they're really difficult to walk in. Yeah. So um, basically, 
the five of them end up back inside of the uh, residency of Kiss. And this is where it's kind of explained to her the backstory of the talisman and everything. And then we get that weird, like camera kind of hones in on her security pass badge. For some reason, I don't, it's like a transition to the next scene. Oh, I thought so, it was a camera like that. Uh, Devereaux was watching the band, like and learning the secrets or something. Oh, maybe. Okay. I go with, I, I, I go with, with your theory. That makes total sense. Okay. Um, yeah, that would make sense. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Okay. So anyway, down in the workshop, we see that he's already completed a demon um, uh, robot of Gene on the slab and everything. And he says that his plan is coming to fruition. Well, back at the park, um, the two policemen on guard in the evening are startled when the plane ride kind of starts up and then stops and everything. And they decide to go get some coffee. And then you see that kind of odd shadow off in the distance. Well, then all of a sudden Gene bursts through, well, not Gene, but like the animatron Gene bursts through a wall, much like the Kool-Aid man. And uh, we hear like these weird chants, but they're not really demonic sound. They almost sound like, like the Partridge family would be doing it. It's way more like kid friendly chanting. So it's not going to like, you know, don't think the omen think like, you know, like the Von Trapps from the sound of music chanting <laughs> like devil chants, but they're really safe. Um, and then we get the flame breath, which, you know, of course, Gene Simmons was known for and everything. And so at first the, the two officers are cornered. Um, but then they get back up from behind and it appears that he's surrounded, but clearly the demon can take care of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes a, so, makes a whole mess out of these guards. Yes. And of course, all this transpires while radioactive is playing in the background. <clears throat> so and then I love how he just like storms through the cold drink stand. Like he yeah. could walk around him. He just stomps right through it. <laughs> He's like the hell with this place. I'm done. I don't need this shit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so the next day the cops, no one has been killed. They've just been, you know, kind of shaken up and injured just a little bit. They show up with Richards at um, the place where kiss has been put up. And of course, no one's answering at first. So they all assume that they're just avoiding them because they know that they're guilty. Yeah. And, and then this is where that comment comes up where, um, oh, they could be taking a swim. And he's like, rock stars don't bathe. Um, right. Let's, let's right, go right, check right. the pool anyway. <laughs> right. Um, which I would kind of want to see what Kiss's swim trunks would look like. Because, you know, they'd be like out of this world. Like, I would love to see what their swim trunks would have looked like. But we don't get that. <laughs> um, what we do get is Paul, Gene and Peter on their lifeguard stands at the pool, but Gene is somehow MIA at the time. Um, and you know, the, the owner and the officers are like, you know, kind of questioning them. The owner is clearly trying to keep peace because he doesn't want, you know, his hot ticket, you know, item to leave without fulfilling their, uh, their, uh, what a contract and performing the, the other two nights at the, at the amusement park because he needs the money. Yeah. But the officers are very upset because they know for a fact, that Gene, you know, is the, is the culprit. Well, Gene shows up and everything. And, you know, they all assure him that he did not do anything. And, you know, Richards kind of puts everyone at ease and everything. And they head off. Um, uh, but Paul knows that there's something up because he's eavesdrop. You know, he uses his power to eavesdrop and everything. So that night during the kiss concert, they're performing, uh, I think it's, I stole your love. Um, the crowd's going crazy and everything. And the uh, crazed Devereaux has sent Sam back on a mission to bring the talisman back with a with the help of like a little ray gun thing. Yeah, I call it the death ray. Yeah, the death ray. Yeah. Which looks just like a plastic toy gun that you would have played with back in the 80s, folks. That so. shoots out squiggly laser lines. <laughs> yes. Very much <laughs> like a cartoon. Yes. All right. <clears throat> So we go back, Sam has like talisman reveal and everything. He uses his little gun to shoot the objects um, or is it to just disarm them? So back at the workshop, um, we see Devereaux fiddling with the head. uh, I think it's like a werewolf maybe or something. It's got his head off and everything. Um, But then outside the trailer of the security guards who are inside talking about, it's like, you know, typical, you know, straight man banter of the time, you know, about women and everything. Um, but we see this green gas seeping in, which causes them to fall asleep. <clears throat> and it allows two like colonial Minutemen to come in and carry their bodies out. Um, back at the park, 
Kiss, now done with their concert, they're walking around and they feel the need that they need to talk with Devereaux about everything. Well, during the interim of all this conversation, a roller coaster starts up of its own accord and everything, and they decide to go to the merry-go-round to have a sit-down and chit-chat about what's going on. Well, as they're there, the machine kind of begins to start on its own, and we uh, get the, I believe it's Man of a Thousand Faces song starts to play, and then the part kind of comes alive around them. Back at the workshop, we see that a close-up of the, the chip on Sam's neck, so we know if we had any doubts before that he's actually been taken over by Devereaux, so sh- shriek. Um, then everything goes all dark, and we see on the close cur- circuit TV that Devereaux uh, knows exactly where the band has been, uh, their locale right now. He knows their location. Um the band has now made it to the roller coaster scaffolding, and this is where they're attacked by the white werewolf cat gorilla creature things. I just called them a bunch of robotic apes, uh, like because they were doing the hoo 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 ha thing, you know. It's very odd looking, but anyway, yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. Okay, so number one, this all transpires. This whole fight scene transpires to Ace Freely's back in the New York groove, which I love that song. Um. The majority of this is clearly the KISS stand-ins because, number one, the amount of patchy chest hair that Paul Stanley's stand-in is rocking is (laughs) amusingly horrible. Um, Peter's wig, the person portraying Peter's wig is horrible. It's atrocious. Anyway, they have their little fight and they they, um, eventually um, fend off the uh, animatronic creatures that have been sent to do them in. Um, they end up on a stage and they have to fight sumo wrestlers and samurai warriors while a new song plays. <laughs> yeah. And I had wondered if, uh, like you said, they must've been their stand-ins because I was thinking, were these guys doing their own stunts in the platform shoes or did they have like stuntmen dressed up Clear, as them? Yeah, clearly it was stuntmen. And then you could tell when they need like close up. sometimes it was intercut with the band members. Okay. Yeah. You could, yeah. Cause it looked um, like, a. At one point, it looked like a wrestling match, the way they were just uh, throwing around and doing stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so this is also, we find out that Ace has the power to transport the band away from harm if if they get in too much of a jam. So Devereaux has planned on letting the band catch up with Sam um, as a part of a trap. So, of course, the band follows Sam down a rope bridge to the Chamber of Horrors. And they become trapped inside that same chamber of horrors where the biker gang met their fate earlier in the film. So now the KISS members have to do battle with all the monsters from before. Um, Yeah, and there's quite a lot. He really brought up an army. He did. Well, and all of a sudden there's a sheik that I didn't remember from before. But other than that, I remembered all the other ones. There's the executioner and all that thing. Um, But they all turn on KISS. Um, and I believe the song this time go around is Love and Chains, I think is the one while the fight's happening here. Um, and come to find out the laser blast hinder the talisman's usefulness. Uh, yeah, so it kind of weakens them. It weakens them. And we get like a the mummies caught on fire and then Ace can't transport the crew, uh, the rest of the crew out of there and everything. And the men become outnumbered. Um, and then... Fortunately, unfortunately, they happen to position themselves in a way that they line up perfectly with this vacuum-like suction system right above overhead, and they are sucked <laughs> up right above. Um, where I put, let's watch. Let's watch. Because they could have just moved, but they yeah. did not do that. They just looked up and they were gone. Um, so now we see that the crowd is becoming a little upset because the KISS members have not shown up to perform. No, KISS is supposed to be playing. And they're like, where the hell are they? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Melissa's now shown up, but Richards prevents her from th- being thrown out because he kind of knows that she's been looking for Sam and everything. But down below, we see that these glowing beamed bars are presenting, preventing the real KISS from escaping down in the workshop. Um, okay, I have a problem with that right there. Okay. Um, now, it might have been just the angle that I was seeing. And like I said, I didn't see a really good copy. Oh, but, how wide they are. Yeah. Did, couldn't they just like <laughs> turn sideways and walk through them? <laughs> I 
think you have to put yourself in the position of the band members because they, there would be a lot of fear of singeing your chest hair if you were to try that. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yeah. I think it was just like, and that smell of burning hair would have been really strong down there in that workshop. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that plays a lot into to this issue. It might just um, be. Yeah. So what Devereaux's plan is. He slightly altered the band's lyrics to cause Armageddon to break out in the crowd, forcing a riot to break out and then just shut the whole amusement park down. And I was thinking why I OK, my thought was when when the like other kiss came out that he would just make their songs suck and make them really bad at playing their instruments. And that would piss the crowd off and they would just start to tear everything down. Right. Or start to rip, rip, rip and destroy. Yeah. Is that a real song? Because that sounded like it sucked. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I if it in the form that it is presented, it did suck. Yeah. So clearly it was meant to suck. I don't know. OK, if it really is the actual song I, that I'm not 100 percent sure on. Um, but yeah. So, and you know, in his mind, this is going to make all the wrongs done to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And he's been nice enough to turn this closed circuit TVs so they can watch on those little crappy black and white screens. Right. So they can watch uh, almost the way that I watched. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so all of a sudden the fake kiss shows up. And Melissa automatically knows there's something wrong because they ignore her calls, just like the fake Sam did. So the concert begins. We get rip and destroy. Um, maybe you can. Can you look up while I'm talking to see if it is a real song? Is there any way you could find that out? Sure. I'll, I'll look right now. Thank you. OK, so this causes the crowd to turn on them. Um, down in the workshop, the band sees what's happening and the men joined their forces together and it's the screen fades to black, but we we kind of get a glimpse of hope that they have a way of changing the outcome of this concert tonight. Um, so the crowd's freaking out. They want to tear the place down. Rip and Destroy is doing exactly what Devereaux wanted it to do. Back in the workshop, we see that the combined force of the foursome is working. The box levitates and floats towards the band. Um, back on stage. Um, during the concert, uh, the owner says that they should just kill the power and we get a new song. It's hooked on rock and roll as the real kiss comes flying in to confront their doppelangers on stage. The fake members are fortunately destroyed one by one and the crowd goes wild. Also, fortunately, the instruments magically appear in the real kiss's hands and, um, this is when Walt turned to me and said he demanded that Midget Kiss start to perform, which is a real thing. They're actually um, a, a band of. Oh, yes, I've seen them. People. I've seen them perform. Yeah. Before. All right. <laughs> anyway, so we get Kiss performing rock and roll all night. Um, things have come full circle, folks. Uh, back at the workshop, we have Melissa pleading with Devereaux and then screams, give him back to me. Um, that was my best Melissa, Melissa voice, by the way, that wasn't dropped in. Give um, him back. You've got to yeah. make him right. Right, right, right. Um, so now real quick, this means nothing to anyone. I was super excited because back in the background, there is the head of one of the members of the hair bear bunch cartoon sitting in the background that like made my night. I love that part in the movie. Anyway, anyway, so kiss reenters. The owner is there and he says, it's no use. He can't hear you. The reason he cannot hear you. Oh, real quick. Uh, so Paul blasts Sam's neck, which with his laser beam eye thing, which, you know, sets Sam free. Then it's revealed that the real Devereaux is dead and that everything that has transpired was done by robot animatron Devereaux. So that comment earlier oh. was right on track. Everything is not the same Devereaux. Everything makes sense now because I was like, when they showed me that, like, whatever, that mannequin looking Devereaux, I was like, what the hell happened to him? Did he, like, face off with Kiss and, like, this is what he became? Uh, like, I didn't understand that one bit. Mm hmm Exactly. That's what okay. happened. And we get Mr. Make-Believe playing, by the way, too. Um, oh, I wanted to rip and destroy is actually hotter than hell, but with different lyrics. 
Ah, thank you. Did they, I bet they wrote, did they write the lyrics for this too? I wonder. Um, or, wait, or was that credited? To, I think it was credited to ABBA. It might be. All I can see is that <laughs> "Rip and Destroy" is hotter than hell, but with lyrics changed to to make it like so the song actually would suck. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right, now so just real quick, I'm just gonna fly through my trivia I got here, and then we can wrap things up. Um, the actual uh, European theatrical version is a little bit longer than the TV one. Apparently, Ace would get bored and wander off during shooting. Um, a lot of this was kind of uh, attributed to his uh, battle with alcohol at the time. Um, Peter Chris would not return for dubbing. Uh, uh, he chalked it up to uh, <laughs> the fact that he was made fun of by other members for his uh, uh, thick accent, uh, uh, especially the way he said the word talisman. Now, apparently, uh, word on the street has it that he was married at the time to a woman named Lydia but a woman named Deborah Jensen would be often on the set. Uh, and later he would, that woman would become his second wife. Um, Ooh. Yes. Apparently the band was given lines right before shooting. Um, so they just had a little bit of time to memorize them and they really weren't even privy to how the film was actually going to end or wrap up because it was being like written as they were filming basically. So that's why their lines sounded so disingenuous. I guess, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah. Because, but you would think with their powers, they would know what the lines were, right? Right, mystical uh, <laughs> space powers. Yeah, right. Now, the actor Anthony Zerby, who portrayed Devereaux, um, refuses to acknowledge that he made this film, and he won't even include it on his resume. Which <laughs> right. I say boo his because I love this film. Um, now, at the time um, that this came out, it was the second highest rated TV movie of 1978. Which really isn't shocking, folks, because this band was huge. Yeah, they, um, every had like Kiss Mania, like just like Beetle Mania. This this was Kiss Mania, or Beetlejuice Mania. Beetlejuice um, Mania. And now at the time, it was uh, reported to cost two million to make the film. Damn. Well, and clearly, I mean, and Rob, I know you're going to agree with me. Clearly, most of that was sunk into the uh, impressive uh, animatronic creatures. Which which were actually <laughs> which were actually not robots at all. <laughs> what? <laughs> so <laughs> so Rob. Now, uh, what did you think of the film? What did you think of the crappy, crappy version of the film that you watched? <laughs> the crappy version of the film that I watched was extremely crappy. It <laughs> it took away so much of the experience that you got to watch that I'm, I'm kind of jealous because I was hoping to see, you know, a pretty clear version of it. Mm -hmm. um, I really hope that's what you were going to see yeah. too. I, I'm so sorry. And it, it was like, there was so much that I didn't pick up on because a lot of it, you know, you had like tracking that you couldn't adjust because it was a VHS copy. Um, oh. And it was just horrible. And so that really took me out of the movie. And I tried to stay in it as much as possible, though. Oh, well, um, thank you for doing that. But for it, me. it was fun regardless. I'm not a huge Kiss fan. Again, I'll say it. Uh, but it was still fun. It reminded me a lot of a live action Scooby-Doo kind of thing. Um, and of course, I, like Hanna-Barbera. Oh, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Now, would you recommend this for Midnight Mass Creature cast fans? Yeah, I, only if they were fans of Kiss. I mean, this is this is something it's uh, like if we've got any child listeners, which I I don't think that's possible because of the, <laughs> because of the way that we, you know, we're kind of perverted sometimes. Um, so don't let your kids listen to this show. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Let them listen, but like kind of censor it. Clearly, clearly yeah. you never met little Mark, little fat Mark. <laughs> little fat Mark. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like if you're, it's not a monster movie, but it kind of is like a mad scientist monster movie, I guess. Uh, but definitely made for Kiss fans. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. I think. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now, let's see. Just real quick. So uh, 
at first they really distanced themselves from this. Like you were forbidden to even mention it around them. Um, I think they've kind of warmed up to it. Um, Ace Freely has been said that he had a lot of fun making it. I, Gene Simmons likens it to like a plan. He says it would be a good double feature with plan nine from outer space. If you're familiar with that film, I've always um, wanted to see it, but I never got the chance to. Oh, it's, it's, Ed Wood is a lot of fun. If that's your kind of thing, uh, I would recommend watching it. Um, now, I love this film so much. Um, to me, it does check off the monster one because you've got that whole chamber of horror things. You've got track, uh, Dracula, Frankenstein. You got your werewolf. Um, then you get that attack with the albino, white, whatever they are, creatures. Um, and then in a weird way, you've got the demon thing, which is they're all, all four of them are not monsters, but there, there's something otherworldly about them. Um, to me as a, as a monster kid, this like checked off everything I needed to make me a happy camper. Um, and I'm a grown monster kid adult and it still does for me. Um, so bouncing off that, I would totally recommend it for, for, uh, fans of this show, especially, um, if you're fans of kiss, um, even though, some may say it's cheesy. I will, I will admit it's cheesy, but I just love it so much. It's so much fun. Um, and even if they don't embrace it, I still think it's a, it's a really kind of a cool gift that they've given their fans. Um, mm. It's just so, it, it, it's so unique and, and one of a kind. Um, and we'll never get anything like this ever again. Um, and it is like an extension of like the, the earlier, especially the earlier Marvel comics. Um that was inked in their blood. Uh, <laughs> it, it's just, to me, it just, it's just checks out such a sweet spot that I just, I'm glad you let me cover it. Um, I love it so much. Uh, and if you are like uh, 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 a kiss fan and you want to introduce your kids to horror and you want to introduce them to the band, um, this would be a great way to do it. Cause I do think it would probably entertain like younger kids because it's goofy enough, you know, and fun. Uh, not goofy in a bad way at all. Like I sincerely, sincerely enjoy this immensely. I love it so much. And it's got um, a lot of their music playing throughout it. Oh, too, totally. So. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. No, I, I highly recommend this on every level. Put on that face paint, uh, you know, slip into something incredibly tight and watch this with, yeah, and with someone you love. Don't forget <laughs> those extremely tall platform shoes, but don't try to walk around them. Just sit down. All right. Just sit down and watch it on your couch. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, gosh. So I think I've said my part. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? Oh, there was this one thing I wanted to fit in there. Um, this is odd because it says almost all of uh, Ace Frehley's fight scenes were performed by an African-American stunt double, Alan Olney, made to look like oh, him. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Which knowing that and going back and watching it, it's very evident. Yeah. And so on a copy, you can see. Yeah, <laughs> right. It also says that he was battling alcoholism and he would repeatedly leave the set. So <laughs> the, his stunt double is uh, is in the movie more than he is, apparently. Right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. That was yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so very much a product of his time, which I think is really cool. Um, God bless the 70s. So having said that, our next film. Um, we're going to be going underwater. Yeah, we're the, taking a deep dive. Yes, uh, with the bearded Greg Evigan to cover Deep Star Six from 1989. And this was Rob's pick. Yeah, man, I remember seeing this movie as a kid. Whew. It uh, it made me not want to go in the water. It, it was pretty scary for me. Uh, I, well, you know what I'm going to say? I actually saw this in the theater. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't Nia Peoples in this too? Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah, I love her song, Kiss in the Wind. Like, I love that song so much. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's what we'll be doing. And um, if you want to uh, get in touch with us through Instagram, I'm always lurking around at Midnight Mass Creature Cast, and you can get in touch with me there. Mm -hmm. Or you could, uh, our email inbox is kind of empty, but still, if you want to contact us, it is uh, mmccpod at gmail.com. And also, like, you know, while you're on the World Wide Webs, just go to suplexcitylimits.com. You can find this show along with the other show that I do called Old Guy Metalcast. If you're a fan of pro wrestling, you can listen to Suplex City Limits. 
You can listen to um, the Federation, which is also part of the SEL network. And there's a lot of cool stuff there. I think it would suit a, a lot of people's taste. Like, it, you know, if you're into monster movies and then you're into like uh, old guys bitching about stuff, <laughs> that would be your thing too. Um, or just like monster trucks. Uh, whatever. We got a lot, a lot of things on the network there. So definitely check it out. That's awesome. And I appreciate their support too for, for you know, back in the show mm-hmm. very much. Um, so from the bottom of our dark hearts, we sincerely, sincerely appreciate you joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. And as always, until next time, we hope that you stay spooky. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>